It's so good to see you in church. We're so happy that you're here. It is so good to have you guys online with us as well. Can we give God another ovation of praise? Is he not worthy of our praise? Amen. Amen. We are talking about loving God uh, with all. And uh, we're going through this passage in Mark 12. Uh, before we get into that, I do want to tell you, um, I've been in ministry for almost 30 years. And uh, man, we had an awesome week last week, didn't we? Baptized 11 people, I believe, but at the end of the day, that, that total of 11 people got baptized last week at church. That's awesome, isn't it? Well, I'm going to share something with you. I, um, you know, I've had a lot of things happen to me in ministry. And I've had a lot of different ministry experiences. And I, I, I tossed around, Jason, whether or not to share this. And I said, well, I'm going to go ahead and do it. I'm going to break the ice. I've already had one embarrassing moment. Why not have another? Some of you already know this story, but we have, a, we have an external baptistry and so the baptistry is right here and I'm baptizing folks and the last two guys that I baptized well the water kind of comes lapping over and gets on my, my, my britches leg and on my shoe and I get pretty wet and so I'm like you know what I could air dry but we have a dryer we have a dryer in the building right behind me called the impact building glory to God we have a dryer it's amazing. So I went and I went over to the building and I, I, I put my jeans in the dryer and I put my socks in the dryer because I want to be comfortable. And I'm just meandering around and, and maybe I've, I've got some attention, you know, squirrel. I've, so I walked out of the room. The door shut behind me. It's not locked. I wouldn't be that big of a doofus. <laughs> About four minutes go by and I say, all right, I'm going to go back in and I'll come out on stage at the end of service and y'all, nobody will even know. I go and reach for the door handle and yes, your laughter is correct. It's locked. My cell phone that I never bring in church with me is sitting on that row right there. So I'm in an empty building. My jeans are in the dryer. Here's all I'll tell you. I am incredibly thankful for one of our staff who had a key after much laughter and let me in. And I'm also thankful for the second grader who left their hoodie in the impact building. And the mom who brought the pillowcase and forgot it too because when you put both those things together, you got a mighty nice skirt. So, <laughs> so at 51 years old, when you think everything that could possibly happen has already happened, get ready. Just make sure a third grader has left their clothes behind because it will come in handy. 
So, yeah, we're going to be talking about loving God with our mind, talking about our thoughts today. I figured, hey, I'll open up with putting one major image in your head, okay? So, online, you're welcome today. God bless you. Thank you for... For joining us this morning. I am so, so happy to be here. I'm so glad that you are here. And we are in this series, Love God with All. And I want us to begin service today by doing something. First of all, forget what I just told you, okay? That would be great. That'd be the first step. Secondly, what I want you to do is in just a moment, I want you to close your eyes. And I want you to think about the very first thing that comes into your mind. So uh, if you're part of the online location today watching, if you're here in person, in three, two, one, close your eyes. What's the first thought that's come into your head? Okay, you can open your eyes in the stillness and quietness of this moment. You know, we're sitting in church and we're in the sanctuary and I'm not going to ask everybody what they thought about, but some of us thought about the Lord and some of us thought about maybe how awesome worship just was. Didn't our team do a great job in worship? They did amazing. Yeah. Maybe some of us thought about that, but I would be willing to bet that some of us didn't. Maybe we were thinking about the report that's due tomorrow. Or the thing that we forgot at work that we know we have to get done before the end of the day tomorrow. Maybe we were thinking about the argument that we got in with the kids or with our spouse on the way to church this morning. And how are we going to reconcile that? And am I going to eat lunch today? <laughs> I don't know what it is we thought about. But, you know, we, all of these things run through our mind. Our first thought sometimes is worship, but sometimes it's worry if we're honest. You know, we think about all those things and the reality, the truth here is that our thoughts are not always about God. Yet the Bible says in Mark chapter 12, beginning in verse 30, that we are to love your God. It says, love your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. They're all equally important. We've already talked about the first two. Loving God with our heart, with our passions, Loving God with our soul, with our commitments and our core values. And today we're going to talk about loving God with our mind. Loving God in our thought life. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you when I was preparing this message today, my toes were hurting because I'm guilty. I'm guilty of, of worrying. I'm guilty of thinking about you know, things, I don't know if you've ever done it, but I've sat down to have my time of devotion and read through a whole page of Scripture. And the whole time when I get to the bottom, I'm like, wait, what did I just read? Because my mind was just racing. It wasn't stilled. I didn't, I didn't catch what I needed to catch. Let me ask you this question. What is the most important thing we can do as believers in Jesus? What's the most important thing? Some might say witnessing. It's an important thing, not the most important thing. Church attendance. So glad that you're here today. So glad you're a part of the online location today. But that's not the most important thing. Serving God. Very important. It isn't the most important thing. The most important thing we can do is love God. 
Because see, out of that love, all of those other things are expressed. Out of the love we have for him, we have that burden to witness and to go to church and to serve him with our life. What happens when you fall in love with somebody? Do you remember your honey sitting there beside you today? I remember when I first started dating Kirsten. Oh, my goodness. That's my wife, for those of you who don't know. Uh, <laughs> I better be talking about when I first started dating her, right? You know? Um, I first started dating Kirsten and I was working on a farm and the guy that I worked with, he, he would always pick on me. He said, man, I'm so scared to death you're going to get hurt around here. And I said, what are you talking about? He said, I'm scared you're going to fall in a hole because you're always looking up in the air, you know, and you just, oh, just, I'm in love. All my thoughts are, they're about her and, whoa, and what are we going to do and, and how are we going to, you know, what, what date are we going to go on? I make sacrifices without hesitation even now. For her. And I want that to remain. I want that to be the case as we go on. But the reality is, as we are together for a while, you know, it, there's intentionality that comes behind that. You know, my, my, my palms don't sweat every time I hold her hand like they did the first time we went out on a date. And you know the move, guys. We're at the movie theater. And we mm, stretch out and you put that arm around her and you're like, okay, is she going to lean in or is she going to be rigid and like, what is he doing? You know, and you're praying the whole time, Lord Jesus, please don't let her reject me, you know. And, but we do all of that. When we love somebody, we do those things and they occupy our thought life. And my question for us today is how much does God occupy our thought life how much is he a part of that I already read this passage but I wanted to go back just a little bit uh, to the 28th verse and, and read through it again one of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating and noticed that Jesus had given them a good answer and he asked him of all the commandments which is the most important the most important one answered Jesus is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God. The Lord is one. Love the Lord your God. With all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And it's not up there, but the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. It's the outpouring of that love of God that we have. When we love God this way, all that other stuff follows it's the most important thing, and it's what the bridge is all about. We want to love God well, because if we love God well, if we do honor him with our life, honor him in this ministry, then we're going to love our community well. We're going to love the uttermost parts of the world well. We're going to love everyone that God allows us to encounter but sometimes we think as believers that our brain has to be turned off and the faith is just blind and it's actually just the opposite. Faith requires us to use our mind, not lose our mind. Okay? We have to use it. So I want to look in the time that we have here today at some things. First, I want to look at three specific things about our thoughts. There are three specific things about our thoughts um, that I want us to look at today. The first one is that God knows my thoughts. He knows my thoughts. He doesn't just know mine. 
He knows yours. Psalms 139.2 says, You know when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. And maybe our first reaction is, Oh no, he knows my thoughts. But hopefully the second reaction is, That's good. Because he's that involved. He wants to be that intimately involved in my life that he knows my thoughts. He understands and knows what I'm struggling with, and yet he hasn't made me a greasy spot in the road. Right? Aren't you thankful for that? In the midst of our struggle, that God is a merciful God. I heard a, I heard a pastor say the other day, he said, we're not forgiven because of the repentance, the turning away from sin. We're forgiven because of the mercy of God. Our response to his mercy is turning away and repenting and not going back. But it's the mercy of God in our life and his grace. Psalm 94, 11 says, The Lord knows the thoughts of man, and he knows that they're futile. He knows that they're foolishness. And at the same time, God knows the incredible power of the brain. It is more powerful than any computer on the planet, capable of trillions of processes in just a matter of minutes. There is great power in our thought life, and God knows What's going on in there? Here's the second truth about our thought life. The second truth is this. I'm responsible for my thought life. We are what we eat, but we are also what we pour into our mind, what we feed our brain on. The power of the mind, we talked about it a minute ago, is a, po is a positive force as long as you're putting positive things in there. But we've already established we don't do that all the time. As a matter of fact, our nature is to do just the opposite. Our nature is bent away from God. We are bent toward sin. So when we find ourselves thinking destructive thoughts of jealousy or unforgiveness or lust or beating ourselves up, we have to do something about that. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 10, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself against the knowledge of God. How do we do that? Taking captivity, taking captive rather, every thought to make it obedient to Christ. When I was a young fella just starting out in ministry, I worked at Falcon Children's Home. And one of, the, one of our favorite games at Falcon Children's Home, and maybe a favorite game that you had as a kid growing up, was Capture the Flag. Anybody ever played Capture the Flag? Back when I ran, I used to play that game. But uh, now I just watch and supervise and referee, you know. Um, but they love playing Capture the Flag. And you run and you try to get the other guy's flag, and then you get back to your base and... If you get there, you win, and man, it's awesome, and the kids love to play it, but you use an incredible amount of energy playing capture the flag. Just like with that flag, it takes a, an incredible amount of energy and commitment to capture our thoughts. An incredible amount. And you may be sitting here today and saying, man, I hear what you're saying. And I'm even hearing some amens from what I'm saying. But we're thinking, that's not as easy done as it is said. That's hard to do, Pastor. I've tried that and I don't know how to do it. The good news is this, truth number three. God can help me change my thoughts. Amen.
The good news is he never intended on you to do it by yourself. Romans 8, 6 says, The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. Sinful man, the mind of a sinful man is death. The mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. And here is the truth about our thoughts. We resemble what we rehearse. You're going to play like you practice. And if we feed our minds with things, our thought life with things that are impure and unholy, if our thoughts are controlled by selfishness and anger and revenge and a sense of worthlessness, then it, it will lead us to emotional, spiritual, and maybe even physical death. You ever been angry? You ever held a grudge? I know nobody in here has. We've held grudges, we've been mad, and when we're in that state of mind, when that person says or does anything, what do we immediately go back to? How angry we are at them. They can come and apologize. Oh, they're not being sincere. They are just a bunch of jerks. They are this, they are that, because we're being controlled by our thought life. But when the Holy Spirit controls our thoughts, that leads to life. That leads to peace. Paul wrote in Romans 12 too, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, perfect will. So how do we tap into that? How do we focus our, our thoughts so that they produce life? Well, I want us to look at six things today that will enable us to do that. And I want us to look at this particular verse because this is where we're going to get those six things that we see. How God will help us love the Lord with all of our mind. Philippians 4, 8. It says, finally, brothers, whatever is true... Whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is uh, admirable, if, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think of such things. Amen? Amen. Man, that's good preaching and that's what we'll do. Man, we're going to go out and we're going to tackle that. But we got cell phones. I love YouTube. I went to my mama's house. My mama's house is as old as I am. I don't know if this is a foretaste of glory divine, but everything I started working on at my mama's house the end of this week, it just broke in my hands. Because 50 years old, stuff has been there a long time. And we had to replace a bunch of things. We had to take care of this thing and we had to take care of that thing. And and, uh, and, and so, you know, we're working and, and, and diligently doing all of those things. And I totally lost my train of thought. <laughs> because I'm 51. <laughs> no, but the foretaste was, man, things are breaking in the house and, and there's some stuff in me that's messed up and broken. And what do I do? How do I respond to that to fix those things that are broken? How do I love God with all of my mind? Because when I love God, my mind is required in that. 
When we love something or someone, our mind is heavily involved in that entire process. So how do we do that? According to Philippians 4.8, the first thing we do is we meditate on God's word. Whatever is true. The Greek word there, uh, it, it, it translates to things that don't change, that, that won't let you down. We're going to meditate on things that don't change and won't let us down. In this world that we live in, what never changes? God and his word. I spent three days at a house that has been the same for 50 years. And I had to change some stuff because it just started breaking and falling apart because it wasn't intended to be here forever. We're spending forever somewhere. And what I want to do is connect to the God who made my eternity possible. I want to know him. I want to love him. I want to have a relationship with him because I'm going to be with him forever. How do I do that? I do that by bringing my thoughts under captivity. And I do that by meditating on his word, focusing on what is true and focusing on what will not let me down. And the one thing in this world that won't do that is God and his word. Joshua 1.8 says, always remember what is written in the book of teachings or the book of the law. Study it day and night to be sure to obey everything that is written in it. If you do this, you will be wise. And you will be successful. If we study his word and we apply his word... We will be wise. When you focus your attention on truth and the things of God, amazing things happen. So how do we do that? I was talking to one of my small groups this past week about that very thing. How do we meditate on, on God's Word? You say, I work all the time. I'm working 16-hour days, six days a week. I've heard people uh, say that they have, have written passages of Scripture on uh, Post-it notes and put them on their sun visor. And when they get up to the red light, they drop the sun visor down and they read uh, that verse of scripture and then the light turns green and they know that because somebody's honking at them in the back because they're reading the scripture on the sun visor but they're getting the word of God in. Leave me alone, I'm studying the Bible. You know, you can just you can stick your head out the window and tell them that. But that's a great way to learn scripture. Bible Gateway, U version, a blue letter Bible. There's tons of Bible apps out there. Get one of those Bible apps, put it on your phone, connect it to Bluetooth, and listen to the Word when you're driving down the road. A lot of people sitting in here, you have an hour drive to work one way and an hour drive back. You can listen to a whole lot of Bible in that amount of time. Get the Word in you and then study. Sit, just sit down with the Word. And it's not a race. We're not trying to do it as quickly as we possibly can and say, I read through the whole Bible in three months. If you do that, great. If you're able to get it, but what we want to do is meditate on it. Another word for that is ruminate. You ever seen a cow chew its cud? We won't get into all of that. But man, they spend some time eating. 
And, and what we do with the word is we get in the word and we ruminate and we, we let it get in us. I'd rather hear that you've, you're reading two or three verses a day and really getting what God is saying to you than reading three chapters and having no idea what you just read. But that's what I love about uh, those different opportunities that we have. Right now, media is a great opportunity for you. If you don't have that, check that out. There are Bible studies in there. There are things that will break down and parse out these things that we're talking about. So we want to meditate on God's Word. Then secondly, the, the, the second thing that I want you to do, that a practical way that, that we can uh, understand and, and get our thought life where it needs to be is we appreciate God's value, whatever is noble. How many of you know God is, is, is valuable and He is to, to be honored it's amazing how much time we spend thinking about things that are eternally useless. We spend time watching stuff. And I look, I do it too. I mean, I watch silly stuff and I, I enjoy laughter and there's nothing wrong with that. But if that's the only diet we have, it's not going to help us. It's not going to cause us to grow and develop. And there's nothing wrong uh, with those things. But what is of highest value? Paul said it here in Philippians 3, 8 and 9. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared to the priceless gain of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I may have Christ and become one with him. So how do we increase God's value in our thought life? As you increase his value in you and your heart and your commitments and your resources, your thoughts flow toward him. We have to invest our time, our life, our resources. Your love for him will become deeper as you do that. So we love God with all of our minds by meditating on him, by honoring him, by valuing him, and then thirdly, by cooperating with his plan. Whatever is right. The Greek word there is, is whatever is equitable. It has to do with how we make decisions. It's like going through a metal detector in an airport. Sometimes you can walk through it Nothing goes off. And other times, beep, 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 beep. To love God with all your mind is focusing your life on his plans, not your own. And when that alarm goes off and God says, this is not right, this is not right, this is not right, instead of our first inclination being, well, help me try to figure out somebody how to rationalize this thing enough to make this right in my life. Rather than doing that, we go, oh, God said that wasn't right. I'm going to back away right now. I'm not going to take another step closer to that. I am going to trust this filter of God's word that I've poured into my life and understand in my heart and in my mind. Psalm 33, 11 says, The plans of the Lord stand firm forever. The purposes of his heart through all generations. The plans of the Lord, 
God's word in our life becomes a decision filter for every choice. And the reality is, and this is where we struggle, what's right isn't always the most comfortable, profitable, or easiest. A lot of times doing the right thing takes a lot more effort. It takes a lot more time. But I'll tell you this, you sleep a whole lot better at night when you make that choice. You ever been somewhere? I, I remember, I think it only happened to me one time at a bank, and I won't name the bank, but the teller gave me back too much money. I've never been a teller, but I know that that drawer has got to balance at the end of the day. I walked out the door and I got in the car. It was $5, five bucks. How much money does that bank have in there? Are they going to miss $5? She is. And what was right was me understanding that that $5, as little as it is, I don't even know that it'll buy a Happy Meal now, but that $5 wasn't my $5. Didn't belong to me. And I had already left. I've got to go back to the bank. But I went back and I waited in line because I didn't want to be rude and, and I didn't want to be loud and I didn't want to draw attention to her and say, but I walked back and I went straight up to the teller and I said, this belongs to you. It isn't mine. It took more time, but it was the right thing to do. Proverbs says that, um, that we do what seems right. Man does what seems right to him, but it leads to death. See, the problem is a lot of times in this life, we do what we think, what feels right. Well, that's got to be okay. That's got to be right. But it isn't right. We've just rationalized that thing and, and, and just somehow or another convinced ourselves that we deserve that. Ain't nobody going to miss it. Here at tax time, nobody's going to miss it. I deserve that. I'm actually getting what I deserve. They got it plenty. Doing what's right, doing what's honorable, running it through that filter causes us to grow more and more and reflect Jesus in a greater way in our life. Number four, we appropriate God's cleansing in our lives. Whatever is pure, innocent, clean, guilt-free. How many of us here does that describe? Innocent, pure, guilt-free. We lose that almost immediately after we hit this earth, right? As children, we figure out quickly how to skirt through things. That's why the Bible gives us a process for getting to the place that we need to get. Psalm 26, 2 says, test me, O Lord, try me, examine my heart and my mind. Check my motives. When I know that I haven't been thinking pure thoughts, God, show me those areas where I need to correct. Some of them we already know. Honestly, many of them we already know. But there are things that God will shine a light on and say, that isn't right. Correct it. Psalm 51, 2, wash away all my guilt and make me clean again. That's that, that's that prayer of David 
that he prayed after his sin with Bathsheba. Not only an adulterer, but a murderer. And he said, God, wash away my guilt and make me clean. Just see if there's anything in me. Are we brave enough to pray that prayer? Are we courageous enough to pray that prayer? Because that's a big prayer. God, show me the junk in my life. When we pray that prayer, though, God can do amazing things in our life. When the light is shine, when it's sh it shown on the sin of our, of our life, what happens in our life is the power of that sin that we're protecting and hiding. And, and we don't even realize we're doing that, but we're nurturing that thing and we're keeping it safe. It goes away. You can't take the memory of sin away. It happened. But we can take, God can take, we can't, God can take the sting of that sin away. I want you to hear this right now. As we talk about appropriating God's cleansing, God has forgiven you. If you've gone to him with something, he's forgiven you of that. He's cleansed you of that. Maybe the problem here this morning is we haven't forgiven ourselves. We haven't let go of that thing. Those thoughts are still there. But you don't know what I've done. You don't know who I am. Hear me. It is time to forgive yourself. When we're unwilling to forgive ourselves, we're unwilling to accept his forgiveness and the work that he did on the cross for us. Romans 8, 1 says, Now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. For the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from, uh, through Christ Jesus from the power of sin that leads to death. There's no condemnation in him. If you're feeling condemnation here today, you got to let that go because that's not God. Receive his forgiveness. Trust him. Trust that he loves you enough to forgive you. And then five, anticipate God's fulfillment. Whatever is lovely. Whatever is lovely. Somehow and at some point in time, we got a warped sense of who God is. That he's a cosmic killjoy, an eternal cop, an unpleasant parent. But the truth is, 1 Timothy 6, 17 says, command those who are rich in this present world, not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Anticipate God's fulfillment. He is our heavenly father. He loves us. And we focus our minds on those things, whether it's God's faithfulness or goodness or creation. It's the reason I love to, well, I hadn't been in a long time, but I, I used to love to go deer hunting because I could sit and just enjoy the beauty of what God had created. The truth is God has a plan for your life and it's a wonderful plan. And what he wants us to do is stop looking through the lenses of negativity. Stop looking at the glass half empty. Man, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm looking at this, I'm reading this, and I'm thinking, oh my goodness. I worked 
fixed things, things tore up, things worked, things got corrected at my mom's this weekend. And on the way home yesterday, I got a call from my son from college. He never calls because he's in college. He's got a girlfriend. He doesn't need me unless two things happen. He runs out of money or the car breaks down. I've been with him for three days. The car's running perfectly. Matter of fact, I looked at his truck before I left. I said, how's the truck doing? I had a transmission put in it about six months ago. It's doing great, Dad. The transmission went out yesterday. <laughs> Are you kidding me right now? <laughs> so I'm riding down the road, and I know, and my wife said, I know he hated making that phone call because he knew you were going to be like, ah, it's warranted, we hope. <laughs> I was riding down the road thinking, God, I need a break. I got kids in college. You got this thing and that thing. And it's like, you know, I'm a conduit for paychecks. They're just, you know, y'all know what I'm talking about. It's like, yeah, we got some money. Kids are like, oh, daddy got paid. Yeah, don't get too excited. It's already gone, you know. But I was riding down the road and I was actually thinking about this point that I'm going to preach to you today. And I'm riding down the road thinking, man, I'm not responding to this the way I'm going to tell these folks to respond tomorrow. <laughs> People are going by me on 95 like, uh, we need a state highway patrol out here. This guy, no, it wasn't that bad. It wasn't that bad. But I did have to check that. Because we get that way, don't we? We get all, ugh. There's not even a word for it. It's just, ugh, you know. And in your experience in this life, looking back, how many of those moments were fine? When it was all said and done, and a lot of times, God worked it out even better than you could have ever worked it out. Mmm, mmm. I received that, Lord. Jesus came that we might have life and have it abundantly. And part of that abundant life is not wigging out when things don't always go our way, but trusting that He knows he knows our thoughts and he knows that's coming and he's got it and it's going to be okay. Somebody needs to hear that this morning. He's got your circumstances right here and it's going to be okay. Heaven is his throne. The earth where all this stuff happens to us, that's his footstool. You think he's got your stuff? No big deal to him. Trust him. Get your thought life where it needs to be. Understanding that's who God is. That's how much he loves you. And then the next time that thing happens, you go, hold on. I'm not going to lose it. 
long. I mean, let's be realistic here. But I am going to trust you, God. Because I know you got this. And then lastly, celebrate his blessings. Whatever is uh, admirable, whatever is excellent, whatever is trustworthy or praiseworthy. Psalm 35, 27, may my friends sing and shout for joy. May they always say, praise the greatness of the Lord who loves to see his servants do well. Mm. Celebrate the blessings of God. There's positive and there's negative. God doesn't want us to stick our head in the sands and pretend like the bad isn't there and we don't have to deal with it. He knows we have to deal with it. But he does want us to celebrate the fact that he's got it. He's the sovereign king of glory. I talked to a lady this morning before I came into the sanctuary and we were talking about an issue going on and with her family and just how incredibly hard it is right now. Aging parents and her mom is sick and is losing faculties and was up twice left her home last night to go and kind of help and intervene on some situations that her dad needed help with. When you're in the middle of that, you're asking yourself, how do I celebrate? God, I know what you say in your word and I know who you say you are but God I don't know how to celebrate right now I don't know how to find the good in what we're going through right now and he says you think on those things that are true that are noble, that are right, that are pure, that are lovely. Anything that is excellent or praiseworthy, think about those things because those things are who I am. And I'm involved in those beautiful, wonderful experiences that you have, but I'm also just as involved in this difficult experience that you're in. You're not alone. He's right here. He is available. He is accessible. And he has not moved or changed. He's as much God right now in this moment as he's ever been. Your circumstances have changed, but he remains the same. So we celebrate if we can find nothing else, knowing he is faithful. And we don't know how, 
And we don't know when. We don't know what it's all going to look like. But we know he's in control. And I don't know about you, but I need to know that. I need to understand and, and be able to stand on the promise that he's with me. A promise that I see in Isaiah 26, verse 3. You will keep in perfect and constant peace the one whose mind is steadfast. That is committed and focused on you in both inclination and character. Because he trusts and takes refuge in you with hope. I love the way the Amplified says that. And confident expectation. You will keep in perfect and constant peace. Man. That's something we need in this world. Amen. And then the promise we have in 1 Corinthians 2, 9, as it is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. Oh, that day when we receive that eternal reward. But I also believe that's for us here today right now. And the reason I believe that is when I read this passage of Scripture, I'm also reminded of what Ephesians 3.20 says, that he is able to do exceedingly and abundantly beyond all we could ever ask or think. He loves us so much that he's meeting needs we don't even know to ask for. But he's right there, available to each and every one of us. So with our minds, will we be bold enough today to say, God, I commit my thought life to you. I know that there are things I've been feeding my mind that I don't need to be feeding my mind. Maybe not because they're just so horrible, but they're not things that are going to Help me to grow in my relationship with God. And today we know there's some things that need to stop. And I need to trust you. I need to appropriate your cleansing in my life. I need to see, God, that, that you've already done this work of, of healing and forgiveness in me. And I receive your forgiveness. Or maybe you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus in your heart and life. And you're thinking, well, my thoughts about God have always been really not sure where, where, where he's at and what he's about. Maybe your thoughts have always been God isn't real and you've worked as hard as you can all your life to disprove that he's not real. There are those in this world that do that. And I believe they do that because they're scared to death of the reality that he is. Nobody goes around in the world trying to convince each and every one of us that unicorns aren't real because we know there are no unicorns, right? But we know there is a God. And I know there's a God that loves you. 
and he is here for you. And he's called us to a place of decision here today to say, Lord, I'm gonna love you with all of my heart, with all of my soul, and with all of my mind. With your help, God, I'm gonna commit my mind, my thought life to you. Would you bow your heads with me as we pray? Lord, help us. Help us to do that. Help us to think about those things that we feed our mind with or maybe even those, those thoughts that are unhealthy that we have harbored, anger, bitterness, envy. Maybe we have looked at ourselves and we feel unworthy. Our thought about ourselves is that we're unlovable. No one could want me. No one could love me. And your word tells us something completely opposite of that. Lord, today we receive the truth of your word and we commit our minds to you. I want my day to be so filled with thoughts of who you are and how much you love me and the things that you have for me and what you, uh, how you want me to live my life, how you desire for me to honor you, God, that I'm just, every day, I'm, I'm just growing more and more reflecting the image of Jesus. God, help us to trust you that way. Help us to commit our minds to you today. Because the thing that consumes our mind, the thing that captures our thoughts day in and day out, that's the thing we begin resembling. I wanna resemble you, Lord Jesus. My prayer for each person here my prayer for each person in earshot of my voice online is that that would be their prayer as well. That we would be a reflection of who you are. Lord, and if we don't know you here today, that today would be the day that we take that step, not of blind faith, but understanding exactly who you are and what you have for us. In you, there is forgiveness. In you, there is no condemnation. In you, there is life and life abundantly. And I pray that the one who needs to make that decision or the many who need to make that decision today will say yes. I say yes to life in Jesus. Would you be so bold? is to trust him with your life today. I pray you will. In Jesus' name, amen.